Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here are your hosts, Speedy Mormon and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome back to Unleashed from the King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM. Now, on this episode, it's time to talk hoops, and we've got an NBA legend on the show. Richard Jefferson will be joining us to talk about his amazing NBA career and life on and off the court. But right now, let's talk about the current NBA landscape and the playoffs. Olivia, what are the big storylines at the moment? Yeah. And Speedy, I can't wait to have Richard Jefferson on to tell us his thoughts as well. No one knows all these players, all these teams and the landscape better than him. He played 17 years. He's going to be a fantastic guest. But it's so weird right now with the regular season over, there are 20 NBA teams vying for a title. It's the first year of this play-in system. Right. So it started Tuesday night and four teams from each conference are competing to secure the final two spots in their conference. So two teams will survive, seven playing eight, nine playing 10, and teams seven and eight, whoever wins, locks up that seventh seed and is safe. But the loser gets to play the winner of nine versus 10. So the nine, 10 teams have to win two straight games to get in. It's kind of confusing. I think it took everyone a second to get used to the vernacular and looking at it differently, but it sure has provided a great end to the regular season. It definitely did. And and I'm one of those people who it took an extra second to get adjusted. Oh, me too. Me too. You know, I need, you know, it's the first time I've been watching hoops my whole life. And this is the first time, you know, we're seeing something like this. But talk to us about the Eastern Conference specifically. What teams are locked in right now? So again, six teams are locked in. I'll walk you through the matchups, but the top two teams don't know their matchup yet, obviously, because they'll play the winner of the play in. So the 76ers in the East, they clinch the conference. Such an exciting turnaround. They have a new president, a new coach, two new starters, and Joel Embiid is having the best season of his career. They've been sitting pretty comfortable at the top most of the season, and they're really a heavy favorite to make the Eastern Conference finals behind their great defense, especially. And then in the number two spot, Speedy, it's 
your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. We've talked about them all season. You love them. They've won five straight to finish the regular season. So they're the hottest team right now in the conference. They obviously made all those big additions to their roster. And we've documented that at the trade deadline. But, you know, overall, they've struggled to stay healthy. Harden and KD with hamstring injuries. Kyrie Irving with some personal reasons and small injuries. So that big three that we've been so anticipating They need to stay healthy. They've only played eight games together. So when they're together, they're one of the most potent offenses in the league. So that's exciting to watch their health. Number three, Milwaukee Bucks. Now we start knowing who they're playing. So three Milwaukee Bucks take on six Miami Heat. The Bucks clinched the Central Division and they upgraded from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday. That was a big trade. They added PJ Tucker as well for some versatility. Yep. And of course, they're headlined by the name everyone loves to say, Giannis Atatokounmpo, the reigning MVP. And everyone's just looking at the Bucks with a side eye because their last two playoffs, they've really disappointed. They've had an inability to adjust with Mike Budenholzer. So everyone's kind of seeing if they can pull off what they haven't been able to with a great roster. I mentioned they're playing the Heat. They've had a ton of injuries and COVID issues and inconsistency across the board. And they have tough matchups across the board with Milwaukee. They're much better defensively with Jimmy Butler in the lineup. So I think really that'll be a great series. The next matchup, the Knicks versus the Hawks. This would be a great story for the Knicks if they can advance after all the drama, all the coaching changes, the consistent lack of success in general the last couple of years. But now they've got Julius Randle, who is on an absolute tear, earning his first all-star appearance. And now he's playing in his first postseason. You know, I didn't even realize that when I read that, Speedy. I couldn't believe Julius Randle is just now playing in his first postseason. But in general, him and his teammates, there's not much playoff experience on that Knicks roster. As for the Hawks, you know, Clint Capella will have his hands full with Julius Randle in that first round. And the Hawks have kind of been up and down. It's almost like they've had two seasons. They fired their coach midseason. And then they went 27 and 11 under Nate McMillan, their interim, and they climbed their way up the standings. So here they sit now at number five. And as I mentioned, the play-ins start on Tuesday. So it's Boston versus Washington. That winner is safe. The loser plays the winner of Indiana Charlotte. So it's going to be good in the East. Olivia, honestly, I'm excited that you are so liberal when describing the Knicks lack of success as the last couple of years. It's been quite a few, but let's just roll with a couple. That makes me feel better about. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. I know you love them, too. Yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. Listen, you're making me feel a lot better. But, uh, you know, let's shift over to the Western Conference. What do we need to know about these top six teams that are already locked? Well, like is the case so many years, the West truly earns the nickname, the wild, wild West. I have no idea what to expect out of this side of the NBA. It, it all is around Utah, though. They have the best record in the NBA. They're sitting at number one in the West, and they've been so consistently good. They have put together win streaks of 11 games, two different streaks of nine games. And what I love is they've won 39 games by double digits. That is Absolutely insane. It's mostly revolving around all-star center Rudy Gobert. He's been absolutely incredible for them. They're fun to watch though, Speedy. They're a big three-point shooting team. They're high-flying. They're fast. But we're not sure when Donovan Mitchell's returning. He sprained his right ankle. He is out for the foreseeable future. So that is going to be huge for them. Um, One thing though with Utah, you need to know, they have one of the highest attendance rates in the country right now in terms of COVID and what's allowed. They're allowing 70% 
capacity. I think that's going to be as big a factor as anything in these playoffs and what games they're able to host. It definitely can. Yeah. The number two team in the West are the Phoenix Suns. They won their division behind Chris Paul. First playoff berth for the Suns in 11 years. They've been pretty healthy too all season. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Bridges. They could meet the Lakers in the first round, which would be really tough. I think all the West kind of goes as the Lakers go. So that'll be so interesting. So now we start getting into matchups. So first, we know Denver is playing Portland. The last time these teams met in the playoffs, it was just 2019. It went to seven games, including a four overtime game three. So this is going to be a heated rivalry almost for the fan base more than anyone. The Blazers ended up winning that one. But Denver's just on a tear right now. Nikola Jokic is playing great. He's a favorite for MVP right now. But a big injury for the Nuggets is Jamal Murray. He is out indefinitely. So that's going to be a good storyline. As for Portland, they've just been all over the place this season. They've gone months without Yusuf Nurkic and friend of the podcast, CJ McCollum. But of course, as always, Dame Lillard has put the team on his back and he'll be going against Aaron Gordon. They'll match up in round one. So this is going to be really good. But the Blazers round out that locked in group six in the West. The next matchup is Clippers versus Dallas. The Clippers fell in the second round in last year's bubble, and they've had a chip on their shoulder ever since. That has been their theme. You know, what's interesting, though, Speedy, about this matchup is that they lost to Dallas earlier this season by 51 points. Yikes. And their meetings have really gotten chippy, especially with Marcus Morris and Luka Doncic. So to me, the most unpredictable series, at least in the West, is this Clippers-Dallas series. It's going to be really good. And of course, Wednesday night, Lakers, Warriors, that game is going to be huge. By the time this airs Thursday, we will know the winner of that. But the Lakers are such a major storyline in the West this season. This new format was going to leave some teams out of that safe six. And that's exactly what LeBron James was worried about. He missed time with an injury. AD suffered a calf and Achilles strain in his right leg. So both have missed time with injury and they fell to that number seven spot. So if they're full strength, that is going to be huge on deciding who's going to be a first round early exit. Got it. Well, thank you for that, Olivia. Let me just get your quick opinion. Who will win it all when it's all said and done? Lock it in. Who is Olivia's lion's lock? Who do you, who do you think? I got to say, I really like Utah. I, I feel like the way they play is the way the NBA operates right now. And we're going to talk later with Richard Jefferson about this of, you know, defense wins championships. Sure. But how do you keep up with their scoring? I think they're too big of a threat. I think they've been too consistently good all season that they're not going to let their foot off the pedal. So I, I really like Utah. You already know who I'm rocking with. I know. Brooklyn. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let us please welcome in NBA veteran Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson joins us now. He's a 17-year NBA vet. He's an NBA champion and a current analyst for ESPN, Yes Network, and Pac-12 Network. You've also seen him on YouTube and in the podcast space. Man, what a busy guy. Thanks for making time for us, Richard. Honestly, thank you guys for having me, man. I'm so excited to chop it up and, you know, talk a little hoop, talk a little life. Happy to have you, dog. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. I, I had to refresh myself on your transition from Arizona to the league. And I didn't realize that it was back to back to back. You play in a national championship, 2001. 
and then go to back-to-back finals. Yes. That doesn't happen to anyone. Can you describe what that three-year trajectory was like? Well, let me say it, it might have happened to people, but at least most of the people win <laughs> one of them. Yeah. I, I went a nice little over three out the gates. Yeah, clean over. You know what it was? And it's like, you don't, we're still in a very pivotal time in your life when you're 19, 20, 21, 22, you're still kind of learning things. Yeah. And I think that really kind of set me up from a person that like, the only thing I cared about was winning. Yeah. It wasn't like money and accolades and all those things are like exciting. And like, those are a part of the journey, but at the forefront, like I go from, so part Arizona, go back half a step. Arizona wins the national championship in 97. I'm a recruit in 98. So like part of the reason why I go to Arizona is like, I just want to win a national championship. If this is what it's about and I can do it here, this is my goal. Yeah. Fast forward, we lose in the national championship game, but all ultimately like you came very, very close to accomplishing a once in a lifetime goal. And then I fast forward, I go to a couple NBA finals and now it's like my brain it's at that point is triggered. Only thing that matters is winning. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care about anything else winning. So, right. no, it, it was great. And I got to, you know, I got to later on in my career, kind of use those experiences. And, and that definitely helped me later in my career. Let me ask you this. Do Duke fans still heckle you? Like if you're in the airport or something, I wouldn't say heckle me because I, you know, I'm at an age (laughs) now where like only like an older generation understands that and remembers that. And like grown older men aren't coming up (laughs) to me and like heckling me. (laughs) But I will say this. I will say this. I don't take pictures with anybody wearing Duke paraphernalia. But like a guy can be wearing a Duke hat and be like, yo, Jefferson, I'm a big fan. Love the Nets. It's like, oh, that's cool. We can have a picture, but like not with a Duke hat. Nope. I make kids take off sweatshirts or jerseys, anything. <laughs> I will not take a picture with anybody. And they don't even know. A 22-year-old kid can walk up to me and be like, yo, I'm a huge fan. No way. He's wearing a Duke jersey. Has no idea. I'm like, dude, I don't like Duke. I don't need to get into why I don't, but I just don't like Duke. So if you want a picture, you just got to take off the jersey. So that's kind of fun to watch people like disrobe their Duke paraphernalia and like eliminate that just so oh, they can get good. a picture, which I don't know why they ever do that. Yeah. Have you ever had the person who took the low road and was like, man, I'm not taking this off. So it's picture with Duke or nothing. I feel like we used to do it at my basketball camp. We used to do it like kids with their mm. stuff. So I, I think I would, I think that's actually, in my opinion, that's kind of the high road, right? It's like, you're making somebody make a decision. Is it more important to you to rep Duke? Right. Or is it more important to you to get the picture? And if you tell me like, dude, I'm a lifelong Dukey, like I love you and I would love a picture, but I'm not going to like (laughs) take off something of my favorite team to get a picture with you. I would respect that. Yeah. You respect that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've had kids be like, no, I'm not taking (laughs) it off. It's like, dude, that's fine. I respect it but I'm not taking a picture with you in it. And like, you can call me a bad guy. I don't like, I don't care. It's all, it's all in good fun, but that's kind of the way it goes. The only reason I asked is because my husband also lost to Duke in the national championship and wherever we go, Duke fans. And this was 2015, some more recent, but Oh, they're the worst. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They are the worst. And like, I say this knowing that, you know, the history It's like, yeah, I don't really give a damn about Wisconsin after what they did to my Arizona Wildcats two different times, stopping us from going <laughs> to the final four. Haven't been to the final four since that Oh one year, but we have like well, four elite eight. So look, man. I don't have the same like hatred towards Wisconsin as I do Duke, but okay. I'm glad that me and him can at least, you know, relate on our mutual hatred of Duke. 
But that love for your college team, though, I, I find most athletes, it seems like it gets stronger almost the further removed you are. Mm-hmm. And you've given so much money to the program. I think you're the highest donor of former athletes in Arizona history, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am. Why does that matter so much to you? Uh, I, I think it's it's just... Why does it matter so much? One, because once you get to the other league, you start to see the fraternities even closer, mm. right? So once you make it, and then it's just like, you see though, like for me, again, I'm older, but you would see the Sean Elliott's, the Steve Kerr's like coming up to me. It's like, Hey man, congratulations. How's it going? And Hey, here's this guy, you know, there's such a like, Oh wow. These guys are like looking out for me. And like, yeah, they would look out for you when in college, but when you're on the same court with them and they would kind of say some things to you, even Steve Kerr, who's a great broadcaster, Sean Elliott, mm-hmm. when I got into broadcasting, these are the same guys giving me advice. So you look at like your connection to certain schools can be a lifelong, like, Hey, they help recruit me. Then when I got to the league and they were gone, they encouraged me. And while I was there, then I get into, you know, the NBA and they're encouraging me. Then I'm playing and they're retired doing basketball or they're retired, whether it's coaching, you look at Steve Kerr brought in Luke Walton as one of his top assistants, which helped Luke Walton get the Laker job and the Sacramento Kings sure. job. And so right. you see how there is a unspoken like respect, like, Hey, you come mm. from the same thing. We committed, we did all these things. So if I can help you out or encourage you, and I just think that makes your connection to the younger group. I was like, Hey guys, I'm here for you. Anything that I can do, anything that I can help you guys with, please like use me because I'm just paying it forward. I love that. Well, you mentioned this younger generation and obviously now they're going to be kids who just see you on their TV, you know, being an analyst and that's such a different realm. But I think a lot of people still associate you with that 2016 Cavs team. What was the mentality at the age you were at then? He's a Nets fan. So that's why he's telling me to hold on. I did not roll my eyes. I just kind of, I listen, no, I just like, rolled my eyes from like a moment of like, Oh, this was just such a great time. Not like a roll my eyes of like, Oh, here we okay. go. It's different. Oh, you know, okay, when okay, you kind of like okay, have okay. that flashback moment of like, you're rolling your eyes, like, Oh man, this is going to be right? okay. so just all positive. I'm glad you clarified. Be positive. <laughs> There's two teams that I associate with. Yeah. Yeah. Three. There's legitimately it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Brooklyn Nets and the Arizona Wildcats. Those are my, yeah, that that's my Mount Rushmore. Totally fair. And I know Speedy's stopping me just because he's such a Nets fan. So he's like, no, that's not. Come on, Speedy. Come on, Speedy. Come on. Come on. Come on. I, I, I will say I am. A, I'm a newfound Nets fan. But OK. But when I see so I've covered the NBA finals for a few years now. And when I watched the 2016 and the 2015 playoffs and finals, it seemed like you were having so much fun because you were kind of in a different place in your career than you were maybe back in, you know, 2001, 2002. Where did that year rank for you when it came to kind of having fun? And is that why you rolled your eyes in that way? (laughs) Well, I I will say this. Anybody that has like, you know, again, I guess it's been the last couple of years, but have kind of followed what I do from the broadcasting standpoint. I like to have fun. My sense of humor, how I approach things is from a very lighthearted stance. And so for me, like cracking jokes and, and humor is like a 
it's a crutch. And I mean this in a positive way. It's like, I do these things whenever, like, it's like whenever things get awkward or whenever yeah. things like, I'm the person that immediately goes to humor, whether it's in a sad moment, a serious moment, my brain is always looking for humor and things. And so that 2016 part of me having so much fun was so I, I didn't think about the seriousness and the weight of what was at hand because yeah. I have the longest gap between NBA finals. So I started in the NBA finals in my second year and in my 15th year. So there was a 13 year gap. Wild. So when I get there, I'm like, this might never happen again. Ever, I go from right? all these, these finals and going to the Olympics and getting a bronze. And, and it's like, again, because this is my history, I don't expect other people to know this, but we lost to Detroit in seven games and we were up three, two Detroit goes on to win the championship. We lose to Miami and we were tied 2-2. Miami goes on to win the championship. Right. So it was like I lost to the champion oh, about seven times over the course <laughs> of my, my life's career. Right. So I was always on very, very good teams and, and ran into some teams that were better or were playing better at the moment. But so for me, when it was at that moment in 2016, like, yes, I was there to have fun. But I was also like, hey, the more fun I have, like off the court and away from it, the less I'm going to think about like this might be my last chance to win a championship, considering the last time was a state championship. So I was I was locked in. See, that's what I was going to ask was the change in mentality from really just an age standpoint of did the weight sink in? of this is kind of my last shot. And, but you said you were so lighthearted and having so much fun and approached it with levity. Yeah. Well, I tried not to think about it. That was my sure. thing. That was my, I tried not to think about it because it was, it was, I was a ball of stress that whole oh. time. Like there's a reason why I retired when yeah. I, when I was like in that last game, cause I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm yeah. old. I'm exhausted. <laughs> you play till there's nothing left. And I wasn't in my prime. Obviously I was 35 but I was given everything that I had at that point in time. And it's like, my default is 99% humor. So like when everyone looked like I was having fun, it's really because I was really, really stressed out. And so <laughs> all of a sudden I channeled that energy into like, well, let's go have some fun and not think about it. Sure. And it looked like you were having fun, I will say. And, and I think back to one of my favorite moments from this era of you having fun in and so I'm going to ask you, can you paint a picture of the time where you and Channing Fry dropped a bag on a jukebox to play the thong song like 15 times in a row? Oh, yeah. It, OK, so let me first say this. I always like to give credit because I do this often. Like my favorite thing is to listen to the comedy stations. And so I just hear stuff all the time. So like, yes, I might regurgitate it, but I'm not, you know, stealing jokes, the big thing in comedy. It was from, oh my God, what's his name? Mulaney. Mulaney. He's on SNL. John Mulaney. John Mulaney. So John Mulaney, he does this bit where he talks about, he goes into a diner and they put in a bunch of money and they play something from Tom Jones, like what's up pussycat or something like that. And so he tells the whole story about how the first couple of times him and his buddy are just in the diner, like eating a sandwich, kind of looking around, seeing if anybody's going to notice it. And then he says by like the fourth or fifth time, like all of a sudden, like they just hear guys like screaming in the back, like who the hell, you know, going nuts. So I think that's hilarious. So me and Channing, I was like, Channing, like, let's just play 
the thong song a bunch of times. I don't know why we came up with that song, just something that was random. So we were in Ohio at Ohio State and we put a ton of money on. Now, most of these places have like a default button or they have like a reset button in case someone plays terrible like music. But that song is so like subtle and it's just kind of flowing that it takes it like three or four times before you realize that this song is on repeat. And then sadly, I think the worst part about it is that like people started doing it and then tagging us Uh. in it. And it, that just made it, that made it a lot more fun. I feel bad for all the jukebox owners out there, but it's a great bit, but I got to give John Mulaney the credit for that. Like how much money are we talking? Enough until we, well, again, you don't want to put too much in because they can, they can reset it. Right. And then you lose your bread. (laughs) Then you lose your bread, but is any amount of money too much for that type of quality joke? Like how much would you pay? I would say a hard yes. Yeah, but no, I just, if you can sit in a place, like how often can you just go? Like we see practical joking shows. We see all this stuff. Yeah. How often can you go into a place with another person and just be like, let's see what's about to happen. So oh you just put God. this on and you just get to sit back. People like to people watch, but how often do you get to create the environment that you get to people watch. Yeah. So it's like all of a sudden you sit back and you're just like looking at the bartender. You're looking at like the chefs in the back. You're looking at like the <laughs> patrons. You're looking at the mom with the kids and the dad. And you're just like, I wonder how long till anyone notices it. And so that, that to me is like the ultimate joy where like, you're really the only person that understands a joke. So anybody that wants to do a practical television joke show, you could just go to your local bar and just play like do the same yourself. song 92 <laughs> yeah. times and do it yourself. It only costs you a couple of bucks. And I'll tell you what, here I am talking to you guys about it. So these stories will last forever. <laughs> it paid for itself. <laughs> you got paid for itself in spades easily. I'd do it again. So we've talked so much about your different stops in the NBA and your different triumphs in the NBA, but there's one story I really love from your rookie year. And I know you've mm. told it a ton, but I'd love you to tell our audience this because This is interesting to everyone across the board. It's Michael Jordan. He's 40 years old. You're a rookie. Yeah. Y'all had just given him the worst loss of his career. And he did sit the second half. Yes. But you play again when he's in Washington, you play again. And how much did he drop on you? Like 50 or four. So he dropped 40 on us. He dropped 50 on somebody else. So he was the first 40 year old to go for 40. Luckily he went for 50 on somebody else uh, shortly thereafter. I don't remember, but you know what? It, it was weird because we were still in the era of like the Michael Jordan era. Like just understand all the best players in the league had played against Michael Jordan in the highest level. There wasn't a great player in the league that hadn't been dominated by Michael Jordan at some point in time. So like my rookie year, we lose to the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, but Shaq had lost to MJ in, in the postseason. So like this was still an MJ dominant league. And so you go back, he also had his Michael Jordan basketball camp in Santa Barbara where all the young players like myself and, and Gilbert Arenas and Michael Dunleavy, Jay Williams, all of these guys, Mari Stoudemire, we would go and be counselors at that basketball camp. So when I get to the league, I kind of like grew up watching Michael, but I had worked his basketball camp. I had done different things with them. So like, I wasn't like a starry eyed against them. Like, as you would say, most players, but you still understand that this is MJ. Like you just never got a chance to see it and like feel it for yourself. So the funniest thing for it is that we were playing against MJ and MJ was one of those guys. He remembers, he remembers, like, I know you see this in like the last dance you see this, but at the end of the day, here's another random example. We go give them the worst loss. Now, I don't want to put Michael Jordan's business out there, but once he started retiring, 
He was a very social guy. So, you know, he was in New York. He was in New York. Maybe he was out, you know, smoking too many cigars, having too many tequilas and was just like, oh, we'll be fine. And then he realized like, oh, geez, like these Nets guys run and jump and I'm 40 years old. Like I needed to get my rest. Well, he got his rest and he remembered. And in Michael Jordan fashion, you give him a beat down or something doesn't go his way. He has an ability, probably like not many we've ever seen on this planet before to show up and set the record straight. And we had a ton of defenders that year. It was me, Jason Kidd, Kenny Martin, Kerry Kittles. And he was giving me buckets. And I remember looking over at these guys, mainly Jay Kidd, like, hey, are we going to switch? Because that's what we do when anyone got hot. We would just give them a different look. Sure. And Jay Kidd looked at me like, man, you're doing as good as anybody. Yeah. Just got keep it. it going. You got it. And I was like, damn, guys. Yeah. So it made it fun. But do you remember like a look in his eye or things he would be saying? Cause he was just a notorious talker. He wasn't, you know what I remembered the most about it about that game. And I, I'm going to like, not really, I, I think I'm going to butcher it and all the fact checkers will get me, but I feel like they only scored like 90 something points. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause this was back in the day when like, this sure. wasn't, Oh, you scored, you know, 50 and your team scored 120, or you scored right. 45 and your team scored 108. No, no, no. This man had 40 and it's in the, in like the score was like 88 to 94. So it was like, this dude had almost half of the team's points. Yeah. Half the team's points. Right. Which now when you look at the average scoring of 110, 120, 130, I did a game that was 148 to 150 in regulation. Right. So you're like in that moment, you know, but that's what I remember most is that this dude had half of their team's points and was giving it to every single defender that just stopped. And it was so smooth, so effortless. And there was just, it was just one of those days. It was like, everyone just kind of tipped their hat. It was like, yo, MJ's just having one of those rare nights. Yeah. That sounds like one of those rare nights that we've heard of. And we can glance over this lightly because we know we're not supposed to go here, but you speak about a lot of this high scoring that we're seeing these days with the NBA playoffs here right before us, who do you anticipate to continue doing well? And maybe who do you anticipate to kind of not do so well come playoff time? Well, it's tough because like we look at so many of the top teams, right? Pretty much every single team, if I'm looking at, you know, there's no team that doesn't have some injury component that you're worried about. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's talk about the Utah Jazz. You got Donovan Mitchell, who is not back yet. And they're not sure, like he'll be back, but they're not sure what he, like he hasn't played in weeks. So, you know, he's not Mm going to be in his best version. The Phoenix Suns, like Chris Paul has had some playoff injuries. You go and look at the Brooklyn Nets. They haven't played many with all of their three. You look at Philadelphia last year or this year, some Joel Embiid last year, Ben Simmons, you know, got hurt in the postseason. So Lakers have, you know, LeBron and AD situation. So you look across the league and it's hard to pick this year because there's no team that's rolling. There's no team that's this. And a lot of it is because of the schedule and guys are broken down and beaten down. But I think it's the same thing that goes on every single time. It doesn't matter if the scoring's at 140, 150, the teams that play the best defense in the postseason are typically going to be the team to succeed. Now, where your defense can fluctuate is on how great your offense is. So if you have the best offense, like let's say the Brooklyn Nets, you can be the 12th ranked defense, the 13th ranked defense and overcome. But if you're the 22nd defense, you have the number one offense, that's just not going to sustain because it's going to be a team that has the fifth best offense, but the eighth best defense, those things catch up to you. So I don't know. I just feel like of all the teams, health is number one. And we see Mm -hmm. it with so many teams. I would say Milwaukee's the one team that like, 
they don't really have like an injury question. Most of their guys right. are kind of healthy and ready to go. And even them, they haven't had a ton of playoff success. So you can't really point to them and be like, oh, they're going to be it. Well, this season finished in such exciting fashion because every game mattered. And now the Lakers have found themselves in the play in LeBron was worried about it. Now this is where they're at with a healthy LeBron and AD. Are they, I mean, cause it seems like they shouldn't have ever fallen to seven, but is, is this the biggest threat in the West to kind of come up and upset first round? Well, again, you don't know who they're playing. You don't know who yeah. they're playing. And they're again, with the injury thing, that makes it very, very difficult. And I think if you want, if anything that you could do to point to the Lakers and where they are viewed and respected, like the Clippers lost their last three games just to not be on the same side yep. as the Lakers, right? The Clippers were like, no, we'd rather get to the four or five so that sure. like we're going to end up in some other spot. So ultimately I, I think like the Lakers are going to be, they're going to be right there. You don't know who they're going to play in the first round. And either way, they're going to play a, the, a great team. They're like, if they're going to get the Phoenix Suns or the Utah jazz, you're still yep. playing the teams that have had the best records in the league. So I know that the Lakers <laughs> will be good, but it's like, yo, your reward is playing one of the better teams in the league. And you admittedly on a hundred percent because of health. Now, you know, we, we've seen how, you know, basketball and culture have kind of overlapped a lot, particularly basketball and hip hop music. But now we're seeing it overlap more than we've maybe ever seen. And with that, you've got a guy like Jake Cole, who's decided to play basketball professionally. He's now playing in the Basketball Africa League. I'm, I'm just wondering, have you gotten a chance to check out his skills over there? And, it, you know, what do you think the ceiling may be for him? No. You've not seen him play? No, no. I, okay. Okay, guys. Okay. You don't out. like it. You don't no, like it. I love it for J. Cole. Oh. For J. Cole. <laughs> I love it. That this is this, it's so tough because I definitely have a reputation for being a bit of a troll. And this is the thing. I posted something on Instagram. Of a just Come like, on, man. A bit. What, what, but again, it, but it's all just in fun, right? Like yeah. your best friends, may I don't know if females are a little different. Your best friends. Do you, all you do is just crack jokes and talk shit to them? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's it. We're just like, oh, you were trash. Like, dude, my kid, my my best friend will order like extra large fries. I'm like, dude, you're so fat. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, it, it, dude, it's a, it's a professional athlete. Like, we're just if it, it, there's a level of friendship that comes, and that's always been my approach. That now to say that. I respect everyone chasing their dreams. I respect all of that. I don't mind what J. Cole is doing. I love the journey that he's on. Like, go and do whatever it is that you want to do with your life. Yeah. That being said, no person can ever be successful if every step of the way they are being scrutinized, right? And they are being dissected. It's like, oh, look, he, J. Cole's first game, four points, two assists, one rebound right. in 17 minutes. It's like, we should not be reporting on this. If you truly want this man mm. to be successful, and I understand who he is. I understand that's the only reason why he got the opportunity. I understand all the things that go into this. But ultimately, it's like, guys, like, come on. I'd rather them focus on like, like how the women played, right? I'd rather them focus on the yeah. WNBA. I'd rather them focus on finding the next high school star and giving her some pub. I know J. Cole is going to get some clicks, but ultimately, like, what is that really doing for bigging up the game of basketball? Like, I then this is not a knock on J. Cole. The man's got a billion fans. He's made a hundred million dollars streaming. He's one of the greatest artists of all time. Right. No, not. But like, yeah. does the basketball community need to be bigging him up or should we be bigging up the WNBA? Should we be bigging up these people? And you can do both. 
But understand, we all know because we're all in media that we're going to see more things about J. Cole playing basketball and the yeah. memes than we will about the defending national champions in Stanford, you know, women's basketball and NCAA. Yeah. We're going to see more about that. And I'm just like, I don't care if it drives clicks. That's not what we should be talking about. I think that's really well said. Yeah. And that's fair. That's, that's very fair. Now, now, you know, RJ, we all know you to be. Now you're going to ask me another question. You're going to ask me another question about J. Cole. I'm not going to ask another question. I love J. Cole. He's one of my favorite artists. I can't express that enough, but like, this is not why it's like Tim Tebow playing tight end. Like guys, like, yeah, no. no. I was going to bring up that comparison because it's there. It's, but Hey, at least he was, I mean, a former NFL player yeah, and, I don't buy the, and I don't, and I don't buy the whole, Oh, you're taking an opportunity away. I don't, I don't. If Tim Tebow is the reason why you didn't make the NFL at this point in time in your life, you weren't going to make it anyway. Uh, right. Like you weren't going to make it. If J Cole is the reason why you didn't make it to the NBA, you weren't going to yeah. make it anyway. Yeah. So I don't buy that narrative of you're taking an opportunity from someone that's BS, but should that amount of attention be given to somebody because of what they've done in other spaces? I don't know if that's best. That's necessarily. No, no, no. Completely fair. And we can move on from J. Cole. This is just my <laughs> last thing. You know, everyone knows you to be very trolly. Uh, and so I just I have a question back to you. You know, uh, we've seen NBA and culture, like I said, kind of become intertwined. There are entire Instagram pages that have become dedicated to like NBA players and tattoos. And I'm just wondering why you think your RJ tat hasn't gotten much love over the course of the years particularly on some of these Instagram pages? Well, because mine is the most famous. Like mine is the most famous. Like it's without a doubt. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Some other people got some really, you know, notable ink, but like, I don't know if there's more. And it's look good and bad why it's famous, but I will say this. I've got to Google this. I haven't seen seen it. it. Give it a whirl. No. Fire it up. Give it a whirl. Enjoy it. There are people that have gotten my tattoo in a mocking manner. (laughs) Look, my tattoo is like, look, look, my head tattoo is not the best tattoo. It is a trash tattoo. I got it when I was 17, but I will (laughs) say this maybe because I'm up close. I know people and I've actually seen people. Right. And this one left Tracy McGrady, Carmelo Anthony. They literally have the same tattoo where like they got that same tattoo, like a basketball with their letters, numbers, names coming out. But the difference is they got full sleeves around right, it. So, so it looks yeah. like it's one it? blue, but it's, yeah, disguises it where it's like, oh, it's like, oh, he's got the basketball with this. And then he's got the hawk and he's got all, and you're just like, wait a second, go back. I just didn't finish it with a full sleeve because I was just being lazy. But as I, yeah. so that's why, but don't, so that's why, gotcha. That, that's the thing. Don't let them fool you and make it seem like, oh, Richard has the worst tattoo. No. He had lots of them had tattoos like me <laughs> that are bad. Yeah. That are bad. I just didn't hide it with a full sleeve. That's, Got it. that's it. For sure. it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I just had to Google it. And once I did, I realized I very was, I very much knew it. It's everyone famous. knows it. I don't know why it's everyone music. knows it. Yeah. You've seen, you've seen <laughs> it. For better or worse. No, so it's it's it. beautiful. Oh, no. It look, is look, look. Work I, of art. I love, no, it's not. It was, I don't know, <laughs> honestly, it was, do, it was done by a person with like four teeth in a back oh, of a van. That's not it looks like, no, no. like somebody's basement. Like they bought it off of yeah, Amazon. It, like, like, look, my brother had some jailhouse tattoos. My brother was the first person to teach me how to do a jailhouse tattoo where you could get like a pen <laughs> and a motor and you could dip it in some pen ink. And you're just like, yeah, what on earth was I thinking? But yeah. I love the story. I don't give a damn. So it makes it fun. Love it. Well, just to wrap up, because we've we've talked so much about your history and people you've played against and experiences you've had. And I so appreciate all the on the court stuff. But off the court, 
I was texting with your coworker, someone I've also had the opportunity to work with, Ian Eagle. Okay. Fantastic man, fantastic broadcaster. And I asked him, what's something I should ask RJ about? What's something kind of off the court? You know what he told me? What? He said the sport you're best at is beach volleyball and you still play in a league and that you own a yoga studio. So I, I don't what? think a lot of people know this. You own a yoga studio? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, you don't know. One of the beautiful things about life in general is you don't know where it's going to take you. You don't know how you're yeah. going to get places. Right. Rewind to the lockout. I go to the lockout and I'm getting out of shape. It's tough. We don't know when it's coming. One of my best friends moves down. We start working out. We start training. And we start doing hot yoga. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Next year, I move up to LA. I move up to Santa Monica and I'm doing a ton of yoga because look, I'm 34 at 33 at the time. And you, your body is, you, I got a lot of miles at that point in time. So I find yoga. I love it. I'm just like, wow, this is my body yeah. never feels better. Everyone needs to stretch. And that's an hour of stretching. And it's a workout. You're gassed. You feel great. So I had a bunch of friends that were coming up, like driving 25 minutes to come do yoga in Santa Monica because there wasn't a, a yoga studio in Hermosa Beach. It wasn't a really nice one. Wow. So me and my buddy that I've been training with, I'm like, dude, like so many people are coming up here. Why don't we just open up a ton, uh, like a really nice yoga studio there. And so I moved to Hermosa Beach and we won, we opened up one and, and we won a ton of local awards and we're a big part of the community. That's probably my favorite thing. Soho yoga. If you guys nice. want to check it out, it's right on the pier in Hermosa Beach. Fire. And I try and tell people as much as possible. If you're going to play professional sports, college sports, if you're going to do that and you're mm -hmm. not doing yoga, you're shortchanging your career. You're shortchanging mm -hmm. what you can, what you're capable of doing, because it's like, I'll go lift weights for an hour, then go do yoga. You're like stretching out these muscles. Mm -hmm. You're strengthening muscles. You didn't know you needed and know that you had. And it's part of the reason why I truly believe that one, I played for 17 years and two, so many more athletes are getting into it. So many yeah. more athletes are open-minded than they were five, 10 years ago. Now it's like yoga is a part of like Rondo, Joe Johnson, all of these guys will go in oh, yeah. on road trips and do yoga. Teams are bringing in yoga teachers. And so I was just fortunate to be a little bit ahead of the curve. That's really cool. I would even argue, regardless of profession, you're shortchanging yourself if you don't have some kind of yoga or meditation practice. I, I think it's life-changing thousand percent. I know I was just speaking to the athletes, but everyone in general, yeah. like if that's not a part of what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're a CrossFitter, if you're a, you know, whatever it is, whatever sport that you're playing, whatever activity, even if you're older and you're like, you just want to do a very like slow, like it has it for everybody. Like there is no, I'm not good at stretching. That's why I was like, dude, yeah. that's why you go. That's the purpose of it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go and like lift weights. You don't say like, Oh, I can't lift weights. Cause I'm not strong. It's like, well, how, how the fuck do you think you get strong? Like, <laughs> right, it's like, exactly. like everyone's got to start somewhere. So yeah, no, that I, I try and tell so many young athletes to just get involved in it. Cause even if you're doing it 22, it'll make your body feel better when you're 30, because these things and these injuries, they stay with you for a lifetime. I think yoga is especially effective if you're doing it to the thong song on repeat just for hours. So I do all the time, all the time, all the time at Ohio state. I'd love it. I love it. That might be our next class with that, Richard. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Hey man, guys, I appreciate you guys having me so much, man. So, uh, you guys have a great day. And if you guys ever need anything, just let me know. We'll do it. Sir. You too. All right. Thank you.
the Lions Lock. All right, guys, now it is time for this week's Lions Lock, where our dog, Peter Andrew, he's also our honorary co-host at this point, but he's here to tell us maybe where we should put our bread. And Peter, this is a relatively big week. What do you got for us? Yeah, so playing tournament done now. We know who's playing this weekend. I may have told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I was on the Sixers bandwagon. I'm going to kind of stick that route. I love Sixers in some sort of variation to be in the finals. Two bets that I really like. Sixers Clippers to both reach the finals plus 1,400. And I know the Lakers are on the downtrend a little bit, but, but Sixers Lakers to both reach the finals at plus 1,200. I really think they can upset the Nets come conference finals. So I'm leaning that route. And then maybe a little bit just on the other side, just in case the Sixers don't win, the state of the winning team to be California plus 185. So just a little mini hedge. I think you'd feel pretty comfortable about one of those three teams winning. And is that for winning at all, Peter, or just winning the West? Yeah, winning it all for California. So plus 185 is to actually win the NBA title. So I'm just hard against the Nets right now. And why is that, Peter? Just asking out of curiosity. Yeah, it, there's probably two parts to it. I think from a sports betting perspective, the value is just not there. So I don't think it's worth putting your money on it. But the other side of it, I think while they have three of arguably the top 10 players in the league, I think anything can happen. We've seen injuries a lot this year to the core three, but to some of the, the other components on the team as well. So I think anything can happen, especially finals. It gets a bit gritty, hard fouls. You never know if KD, KD can go down, if Kyrie could go down, James Harden. So I think putting your money elsewhere with the more value makes a ton of sense. What are the best bets in each conference? I mean, is there, is there something conference specific? You know, I think I've started taking it series by series to start. Mm -hmm. I love, so there's the Knicks-Hawks series, which is the 4-5 matchup. Knicks are obviously on fire right now. Julius Randle, most improved player. D. Rose looks like D. Rose from 10 years ago. Knicks to win the series is minus 120. To me, that's a surefire bet. You're not laying too much to get a nice chunk of change. Mm -hmm. And then I've put a little bit on Knicks to win the series 4-1. So I think the Hawks squeak one out on uh, at home, but I think the Knicks just clearly the better team. They've showed that the last couple of weeks. They've gone out West, had some impressive games, conference games, really, really good. And then as you go to the West, you know, the Nuggets were worthy or one of the best teams in the West all year, but losing Jamal Murray will be really noticeable against the Trailblazers. I mean, you have Lillard, McCollum, Covington, all can hit threes. I think they were second in the league in terms of volume of threes they, they shot, and I think sixth in efficiency. And you compare that against the Nuggets, who are 22nd in three-point defense. It's going to be a, a tough series. I think the Nuggets pull it out in seven, but it's going to go seven, I think. The, so for sure, I like Nuggets to win 4-3 in terms of the series plus 400. And then Bucks Heat, you mentioned as well, over five and a half games at minus 120. What do you like there? Yeah. I, How confident are you? I think the Heat can steal a couple of games. The Bucks are, are clearly the better team. They're just not a great shooting team at certain times. I like that game to just get a little scary for them. I think they win in six, but at minus 120 again, you're not laying too much. And I think there's some value there. You're not asking the Heat to win the series. You're just asking them to stretch it along a little bit. So I think that to go over five and a half is a good bet as well. Are there any bets on potential overtime games or just reaching seven games? Uh, yep, there is reaching seven games for every single series on BetMGM. 
And then funny enough, you're kind of stealing my segue of, of our promotion. <laughs> we have a, an overtime insurance promotion going live. All right. So if, if you bet your team and they end up losing, it, the game goes overtime and you lose in overtime, you actually get your stake back. So something we're doing a little bit on top of just oh, nice. the, the sports betting markets. So make sure that we cover both NBA and NHL fans. <laughs> NHL games have all gone into overtime this playoff too. So making sure we cover you if, if your team gets to OT and ends up losing. And before we get you out of here, Peter, there was a story that I'm just curious if you heard about. It was this guy who apparently bet the proverbial house on the Blazers winning over 41 and a half games. Did you hear about that story? I don't think so. What is it? No. Okay. Well, this guy bet that basically that the Blazers were going to win over 41 and a half games. And it came down to the last game in the season. He tweeted at Damian Lillard at the start of the season, like, man, I need you to win 42 games or I will lose my home. And the Blazers did exactly that. They won exactly 42 games and saved this guy from being homeless. So (laughs) I thought you would have heard about the story, but it was it was nuts. I heard about one in the opposite direction for Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to say their total was 22 and a half in terms of games won. And uh, and they finished a half game behind. So. Oh, it happens to the best of them and to the worst of them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I guess probably the best feeling in the world when you, when you squeeze out that win, but yep. coming a half game short as well is not pretty. Hey, this is why we're all here. This is why we're all so hooked, right? You love it. Exactly. Love the game. Yep. Exactly. All right, Peter, we thank you as always for joining us, bro. Be well. Thanks, Peter. Thanks guys. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap for Olivia and I. Now, make sure to check out all of the action from BetMGM. You can follow them everywhere on social media at BetMGM. And please, as always, leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.